0: Hello, everybody. So we are into our uh, first class of uh, a study that we're going to do together on the book of Hebrews. Uh, Anybody who knows me knows that book of Hebrews is uh, really high on my list of of just books I love and things I love to read. Uh, Had a book recently come out, wrote together with John Oaks, um, the book of Hebrews, Living by Faith. And uh, I'm excited to share about this because I think especially... Uh, as all the things that are going on in the world around us, this is particularly an important book. And uh, it's an interesting thing. You know, the book of Hebrews is uh, a book that was uh, written probably in the mid-60s of the first century, which means that uh, uh, the the fellowship or the, the, the Christianity was about 30 years old, and... Um, and a lot of my friends around me are about 30 years old in the faith. So so it's kind of an interesting time. And, um, and I think that we're facing some similar challenges that we're faced in the book of Hebrews. Of course, the book of Hebrews is a book for all times, but particularly where we're at and what we're going through. Um, there's a picture with a little story that... That always uh, really inspired me. The first time I came across it, it really moved me. Um, the question, what moves you? Um, there's a story of a sea captain, and they're going across the North Sea, and one of the passengers uh, observes that whereas most of the icebergs are heading south, there's one iceberg that crosses their path, and it's heading north. And he asks, what is it? How, how does that iceberg... Uh, move the opposite of all the others, and the captain told him. He said, "Well, all of these icebergs that are heading south, they're moved by the by the winds, and the winds are blowing south." He said, "But this one runs very deep, and it's moved by the current, to the North Atlantic current, and therefore it is heading north." And um, I thought, that's that's a deep Christian. You know, a deep Christian is not moved by the winds that are blowing and changing every day, but is moved by deeper currents. And uh, knowing the scriptures better and knowing your Bible better and digging in there and and, uh, pulling out and unpacking all the treasures, that's what should move us, not the events and the things that are happening on a daily basis. And that's what should be our rock even when there are really difficult times that we're going through. So we're going to dive into the book of Hebrews. Love this book. Incredible book. Uh, very exciting book to me. Um, you know, in many books will have a key theme, a key scripture even. Um, I think Hebrews 12, 12 is uh, probably the key scripture for this book. Uh, it's that verse is strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees Make level paths for your feet. Make every effort to live in peace with all men. Be holy. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau. And um, that set of scriptures, which goes from 12 to 16, kind of encompasses the whole book to me uh, about get strong, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. The book of Hebrews is uh, many things. It's a call to be courageous. It's a call to be faithful. It's a call not to be fearful. To call not to back off in your faith and in your convictions. Um, it's 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 a call to get yourself together. You know, I love how he says it: uh, strengthen your feeble arms and your weakness. In other words, you get yourself strong, get yourself up and moving and. And that's what that's what the book of Hebrews is. It's a call to strength. Um, as I said earlier, you know, written sometime in the mid '60s, uh, probably before the fall of Jerusalem, uh, it's it's uh, makes many references uh, to the old covenant being obsolete and and um, the new covenant being in place. Uh, there are references to. Uh, the, the audience being a second generation. In Hebrews 2, 3, he says, This salvation was first announced by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So it means it's, it's probably second generation. So again, we relate to this because none of us were around to see Jesus crucified or see him raised from the dead. But we heard about it. We learned about it from somebody else. Well, that's what happened with them. They, they, this the second, third generation. They, they heard about it from those who, who were either witnesses or from those who heard about it from witnesses like us. You know, that heard about it from somebody who heard about it from somebody. Um, uh, the, the audience. You know, we know. We know that obviously it's a uh, very. Jewish book with over sixty references to the Old Testament. We know that the audience is very familiar with the Old Testament uh, and the stories of the Old Testament. It doesn't take time to explain all these names and that are mentioned and, and talked about. Well, because the audience knows these names or the many, many references to Jewish uh, traditions. In Hebrews 13, 24 he says, Those from Italy send you their greetings. And that's a kind of tricky one because you don't know if that means that they were in Italy and they're sending greetings to somewhere else, or that they're somewhere else and somebody in the group is from Italy sending uh, greetings back back to them. Um, we're not really sure. Uh, so we know that there are Italians in the group. <laughs> that's what we do know. Um, as far as the author, I love this. You know, again, this is this is one of the few books that we we don't know who wrote this. Um, we really don't, we have some strong clues, but, um, we don't know. And because of that, it, it, uh, was highly questionable, but whether it would even be included in the new Testament, um, everything that was in the new Testament had to be associated to an apostle. And it was kind of concluded that this was probably the apostle Paul's writings, but, Um, later on, you know, study and critical examination would reveal that it's definitely not Paul. The language is different. There are, there's a different style of writing, um, uh, 10,038 or 1,038 of the 4,942 words are not in Paul's writings. Um, there's 169 unique words to the book of Hebrews. Um, so it's, it's definitely a different author. Um, the, the, the language is beautiful. It's, it's very beautiful, eloquent Greek. Uh, and yet, it's so Jewish and, and steeped in Jewish culture and sh- Jewish style. The, the, I mentioned the over, well, it's 61 Old Testament quotes, uh, eight references to the tabernacle. One of the mysteries, why all the references to the tabernacle and none to the temple? Um, it uses multiple nautical terms, which is probably one of the the, the keys um, to identifying who, who wrote it. Uh, we know that uh, that they were Jewish. We know that they were highly educated. We know they were educated in Greek, and here's and that little clue is helpful. That there there's probably uh, somebody who came from from either uh, a sailor background, a ship. Back, you know, shipping somebody involved with boats because of some of the words that were used, or a port city, right? So the 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 obvious people that kind of jump out is is Apollos, who was uh, known as an eloquent speaker, was Jewish, and spoke Greek, and I mean his name is Apollos. That tells you that 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 his family was very Greek. I mean, what Jewish family names their kid after a Greek god? Um, so, uh, he's, he's probably your prime candidate. Barnabas is another, um, Jewish, Greek, uh, son of thunder. Um, there's, uh, in Hebrews 13, 22 says, brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. That word is the same word as Barnabas's name. Barnabas means son of exhortation or son of encouragement, um, <clears throat> so some would say, well, that was a clue that Barnabas wrote it. Um, the the biggest thing pointing to Alex to uh, Apollos is the fact that Apollos comes from Alexandria, which is a port city. So it's very possible, very probable that, you know, he grew up on the working on the dockyards and knew all this uh, nautical terminology. There's another radical idea that's it's kind of my favorite. It, it's not the most likely, but I love the thought of it is that. Because it wasn't there's there's no signed author there's no certain person attached to that to this letter um, the question is why why not and so some propose that uh, actually maybe it was Priscilla um, you know the you know that Priscilla and Aquila were mentioned a lot in the scriptures companions of Paul they were very influential in the early church very high-powered couple. The fact that her name comes first uh, says that uh, she was probably the dominant figure of the two. And, of course, if she wrote it, then it would make perfect sense that she would not sign it and that she would not associate, be associated with it because of the prejudice against women in the first century. So, I like that one. Um, won't know till you know, get to heaven. We'll find out who actually wrote it. But we do know this. That it is one of the most beautiful books in the Bible, uh, no doubt inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, What I love is is how much um, the Book of Hebrews gives us both Jesus as God and Jesus as a human. The humanity and 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 the 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 deity of God or the deity of Jesus are. Plain in the book, I, I can't think of another book in the whole Bible that makes it clear that he is both on the same pages. That he is God, that he is fully God, and that he is fully a man. And we see Jesus suffering. We see we hear the power of Jesus. How he sustains all things, and yet he suffered, was made perfect through suffering. Um, we we learn so much about the humanity of Jesus and about the power of Jesus in the book of Hebrews. Um, some would call it the fifth gospel because we learn so much about Jesus in the book of Hebrews. Uh, it's just a great book for somebody who just wants to get to know Jesus better. Um, you know, as far as the background, what when it was written, it's, it's, it's important to know this because I think there's some parallels and some lessons for us Having been written in the mid-60s, we know that by this time, it was becoming pretty clear that Christians were not just a branch of of Jews. Early in Christianity, the Roman Empire saw the, the Christians as just another section of Jews, like you had the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodians, and okay, now you got these Nazarenes, as they were called, or the Nazarites, as they were called. But as time went by, it became very clear that they're not the same group. This is a very distinct group. This is a different group. They were called, uh, some some called the the, the people of Crestus, the the, the Christ followers. And whereas Judaism was a known, respected, or at least accepted, tolerable religion in the Roman Empire, Christianity, the less it was seen as Judaism, the more it was under suspicion and by this time, uh, persecutions were breaking out against the Christians. They were suffering and they were suffering for being Christians, not for being Jews. And the book of Hebrews is clearly written to Hebrew Christians. As we know, All the, you know, the, the early Christians were predominantly Jewish. And so they had both that they were Jewish and they became Christians, of course, followers of Jesus. So. Um, when the persecution broke out in the mid-60s, by this time, m- there are many Gentiles who are Christians. The church in Rome was probably predominantly Gentiles. Uh, and remember, at one point, the Jews had all been kicked out. That's why uh, Priscilla and Aquila end up with Paul again, because they had been expelled from Rome. And so, you know, Roman guards come to your door, and they pound on the door, wanting to, to know, are you a Jew or are you a Christian? Well, for the Jewish Christians... That's a tricky question. They could say, I'm a Jew and be left alone. Or they could say, I'm a Christian and suffer whatever persecution was being dealt out in that town or village. That could be anything from paying higher taxes to being forced to swear an oath publicly to the emperor, to having everything taken away and you and your family fed to the lions. Uh, so Imagine, I mean, I know that sounds, you know, oh yeah, historical information, but imagine that kind of danger. You'd lose everything, your house, your job, your, your money, your bank account, your kids could be hauled off into slavery or even worse fed to wild animals. And all you got to do is say, I am not a Christian. I'm a Jew. And, and by saying I'm a Jew, you're telling the truth. And so it's very clear that they were being tempted to back away from Christianity, which means backing away from Jesus and be part of, well, what they were born into, Judaism, which was which was tolerable in the Roman Empire. And how that relates to us, I think, is that, that uh, it's tempting after a while, you know, especially in the early days as a Christian, you're radical, you're... You're going out there preaching and, and rocking the boat. And, and for many of us in my generation and, and those uh, around my age, we went through a time where we were just so radical. And as we get older, it's easy to settle down into a more acceptable religion, a more tolerable version of Christianity. So uh, this is why I think this book is so important, because it's a call back. Um, the outline is a, is a very. Uh, I'll give you a couple of outlines. There's there's the most simplistic outline. Hebrews one through six is the person Jesus Christ. Hebrews seven through ten is the ministry of Jesus Christ, and Hebrews ten through thirteen is the set of exhortations or challenges. And then we've got uh, a, a more elaborate outline. Um, and and this. There's a key word in the book of Hebrews. It's kraton, which means superior or better. Um, And that's kind of the running theme of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better. Jesus is superior in every way, right? So Jesus is greater than the prophets. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is uh, the perfect or the greater high priest. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than the high priest. Jesus is greater than Abraham. Jesus is greater than the priesthood of Aaron and Melchizedek. Um, The covenant is greater with Jesus than that of Moses. Uh, Jesus dwells in the greater heavenly tabernacle. So that theme runs through Uh, To remind us, I mean, of course, and you always have your your initial audience, the direct audience, but then there's the general audience. The direct audience was first century Hebrew Christians, and then the general audience, well, that's us, right? And there are many, many, many applications of these principles. So don't think that, well, that was written to them, doesn't apply to us. No, no, it absolutely applies to us, maybe in slightly different ways, but... uh, um, absolutely applies to us, and, and absolutely is just a treasure box full of uh, teaching and inspiration. Um, in the in the book of Hebrews, uh, Jesus is is spelled out in so many from so many different angles. This is what I love, and this is kind of why it's called sometimes a fifth gospel. Because as you know, the four gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—are four portraits of Jesus. So it's kind of like if you were trying to look in a house, you'd want a window from the north, a window from the west, and a window from the east, and a window from the from the south, right? And that would give you a pretty good view of what's going on inside the house and what the outside even looks like. if you're standing out there looking. Hebrews is kind of like putting a glass roof on and looking inside the whole house <laughs> that you can just see down and see all the different rooms and see all what's in there. Um, We see Jesus is God's messenger in verse one, the radiance of God's glory. Verse three, the exact representation of his being also in three, sustaining all things, the purification of sin, seated at the right hand of God, superior to the angels, God's own son, the firstborn of creation. He is God. He is king. He made the earth. He made the heavens and he is eternal. And all that happens in the first paragraph. (laughs) That's just the first paragraph. Of Hebrews. So I love this because the writer comes out swinging and by the way, you know, it's, it's, it is uh, organized around five exhortations. I'll show you that in a minute where they are. But, um, you know, that that's significant. Uh, many would argue that Hebrews was a sermon. It was actually a transcribed sermon. It was meant to be read more in a sermon style, five point sermon. Um, so you get a good, a great view of Jesus from, from a greater, uh, perspective. And of course, on these same scriptures, it, it goes through and, and we'll go, we'll walk through it chapter by chapter, but, um, uh, even in the line of thought of superior, Jesus was has superior blessings, a superior hope, a superior possession, superior country, a superior resurrection, superior promises, access to superior blood sacrifice. So all of this is an argument that, that uh, to not go shrink back and depend on Moses alone or the prophets or the Torah or... Uh, that that Jesus has come and replaced all this with something far superior. Why would you go back? Why would you go backwards in your faith? But that is what happens when we're afraid, right? That's what happens when we're scared is we, we tend to go backwards in our faith. And, and so this is an exhortation to keep moving forward no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on in life. Um, these are the five exhortations. These are the classic exhortations. Although in my own reading, I I see seven, but I'll give you the five, then I'll give you my two freebies. But exhortation number one is don't drift, right? This is uh, Hebrews chapter two. Exhortation number two is don't doubt God. Um, Exhortation number three is don't stop growing. And keep growing. Move on to maturity. Exhortation number four is don't dis God, meaning don't distance yourself from Him. Draw near to God. Do not shrink back from Him. Exhortation number five is don't deny Him. Don't 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 act as though don't act without faith. You know, keep your faith in Him. Don't deny Him. The other two that I would add my freebies are don't shrink back, in Hebrews ten thirty two, and and do not doubt. Uh, the Lord focused on Jesus. That's Hebrews 12, 1 through uh, twenty eight. So that's a, that's a little bit of background on the book of Hebrews. Um, uh, that's a good place to start. You know. So who's it written to? It's written to Christians. It's written to Christians who know their Bibles pretty well, know the great stories of God. What's it about? It's about being courageous in the faith, not going backwards, not shrinking back, not trying to play it safe but remembering who we are, what we are, and marching forward by faith. So that's class number one, uh, the book of Hebrews, and we'll stop there for today.